Hello, and welcome to the Fantasy Rewind Podcast. I am your co-host, Dylan Stoll, and I'm joined as always by my friend, Michael Whifford. Hey, hey, hey. So today, we are finally getting to The Black Queen, episode 10 in the season finale for House of the Dragon season 1. It's been a busy week here, as Mike and I are both in education, and it's nearing the end of the first semester, so grades are due, and reports are due, and fantasy still, as Daniel Green must say, must flow. Yes. So... We are diving in here, getting into our thoughts on the season finale, as well as just our thoughts on the first season as a whole. All right, before we get into anything else, I'm going to give out the typical reminders. If you want to get in contact with the show, you can send us an email, which is fantasyrewindpod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram as well, which is at fantasyrewindpod. Or if you feel like using the Bird app, you can get at us on Twitter, which is at fantasyrewind. All right, without any farther ado, let's hop into the rewind. Alright, episode 10, The Black Queen. Yeah, so overall thoughts from me on this episode was hope crushed by sadness. Um, (laughs) I think we saw some really great character interaction and almost like it was like a finale of development for some of our characters. And there was so much hope with it, and it just the ending crushed it all. What were your thoughts, Dylan? That look on Eamon's face was like, oh no, what have I done? And then the look on Renera's face. Yeah, that look on Renera's face was just pure hatred. Oh, and yeah. she was like, it's about to go down. Mm-hmm. And so, like, all in all, though, I thought this episode was good. I really liked how it contrasts with episode nine. Because episode 9 was all about the Greens, everything they're doing to prepare yeah. for their like takeover of the throne. Whereas episode 10 here was all about the Blacks and everything they're doing in their preparation to go after the throne. And whether there's going to be a civil war or not, whether Rhaenyra is going to submit or not to Aegon. Mm-hmm. And by the end, we, we know. know this is war. Yep. And so all in all, I thought it was a good episode. Um, I did not feel like the tugging on my heartstrings when Luceris died, but I felt oh, a little it bit for Renera when she turned around Rhaenyra. and looked at that face. Yeah, yeah, it was all for Renera. Like honestly, Luke here, I, I could care less about. Uh, no offense to his actor or anything else, we just never got enough of him to really make it a meaningful right. death. You know, right. it was all about Renera. It was meaningful in that it has major implications for our characters that we do care about. Um, But as far as, like you said, Mike, Luceris, or Luke as he's called in the show here, like, I'm sorry, but I don't care about you that much. Um, But yeah, let's not jump too far ahead there, although I know we all want to to talk about that part. I know. Um, I'll start it up here. Yeah, go for it, man. So we kind of come in and we're in the heart of Dragonstone towards the map and Luke's Luke's in there. And we saw more about more of him this episode than uh, we have all season long. And there was the reason was the ending, right? Right. Uh, but he tells his mom, I don't want Driftmark. You know, I don't want this responsibility. I get seasick. Like this isn't, I'm not a good pick. And Renera's talking about how, you know, at first she was scared and then she realized that it was her duty. And Luke says, well, you're perfect. And she's like, Oh no, I'm far from perfect. And I'm, we could all agree with that, but it also, we never really got that side of her growing up. Mm-hmm. 
that she was like scared or, or nervous about having the crown or the throne. It always just seemed like something she wanted. So I, I was a little like, uh, that doesn't what you're saying now doesn't quite match how you were portrayed when you were younger. But at least now, like you're looking back in that retrospect and you're seeing it and it just shows maturity for her character. Right. Right. And I think that's what it is, is I think, like you said, when it was a different actress portraying her when she was younger, she didn't play it like she was afraid of the responsibility, that it wasn't something she wanted. She played it like she wanted it. And we were questioning, like, why does she want it so much? Yeah. Because it brought nothing but pain to her father. And so we look at this and I think it is with the hindsight of maturity that she's able to look back and realize Maybe I was afraid of what was going on. Maybe I was afraid of what this responsibility meant. And that's probably why I acted out or that's why I, you know, did some of the things that I did. And I think that it does show growth for Renera as a character from where she was played in the beginning um, versus where she, how she is played now to recognize that and address it. Uh, then we have Rainey's uh, giving the message to Damon and Renera about... King Viserys' death, Aemon being crowned king. Damon does, uh, obviously this is like for, for you know, Rhaenyra's just trying to process like what, my dad's dead and like all mm-hmm. this is happening and she's also pregnant. and Right, we didn't even bring that up. Yeah, and it's it's just all like coming in on her. Whereas Damon's immediately like, oh, so you just show up here to tell us this, Rhaenys? Hmm, are you treacherous? Did you not fight them? Did you not do this? And it's like, She's like, uh, excuse me? <laughs> I flew here to, like, give you this message out of goodwill and out of the, you know, the blood, of, uh, love of my brother and, you know, how close our houses are. But I was just like, Damon's just lashing out. Yeah, so Damon definitely was feeling the loss of his brother here. They might not have always gotten along, but they were still family. And you could see that when they did visit um, Viserys and the rest of the royal family in episode 8. But I really did like how Rainey's addressed, like, why she didn't attack Aegon and Alicent in this episode. Like, she said, it's not my place to deliver the opening blows of this war. If there's to be war, it should be dealt by you guys. Because you're the ones that want it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, like, I didn't necessarily agree with the choice at the time, but it makes sense that, you know, if blows are to come about that Rainey shouldn't be the one to decide that. It should be Rhaenyra, that she should decide that it's going to be war and not a peaceful transition into Aegon being king. Yeah. Uh, and I do think in this episode, Damon has a really significant part that's kind of underscored by his lack of dialogue mm-hmm. uh, with other characters and like making connections. It's his actions that speak so loud to his feelings and everything else that's going on with him. And I feel like we could almost do an entire episode on his emotional progression and why that could be. But him lashing out at Rainey's right now is definitely because of the grief for his brother. And uh, obviously this causes a lot of stress and Renera kind of goes into labor. Premature labor, yeah. Very premature labor um, as the maester is like, oh, she shouldn't be, this shouldn't be happening right now. And um, so she's in her room, like on the balcony, just like dealing with this. And Damon's at the map meeting with all the lords and stuff of Dragonstone and all their allies that they have there and planning out like what they're going to do. And, you know, even though she calls for Damon and even though like they're like, hey, should you be with your wife right now? He just ignores them. And if if you were questioning why this might be, 
just think back to what's happened in Damon's life. Right. He lost, uh, arguably, probably the first love of his life. I don't. We don't really know how in depth their feelings were, but you know, he lost his his one of his loves to childbirth. He also lost uh, his sister in law to childbirth. Like he's had a lot of loss to this. And right now his wife is having this childbirth that shouldn't be happening. And so he's probably just like, I can't deal with this. And then also on top of that, you have his brother dying. The one person he probably did really care about uh, outside of Renera. And so I think just to underscore what you said there, Mike, as well, is that Mm -hmm. Damon has never been somebody to play the Game of Thrones. He's never been somebody who, like, worries about politicking that much. He's always been, like you said, a man of action. And so what does he do when Rhaenyra's incapable of doing it? Damon steps up and he's taking action. And he's like, this might not be what Rhaenyra wants, but this is what I, how I think it should be done. So we're going to do it this way. And we see this even more when um, Joceris goes up to go see his mom. And she tells him, she's like, Jace, we're not going to do anything until I'm down there. You know, like... I know Damon is, like, gathering our allies and everything, but we're not going to war until I make the decision to go to war. Joceris comes down, tells Damon this, and Damon just, like, dismisses him, basically. And he's like, go back to your mom, pup. I'm, Daddy's got this. And then, um, you know, as there's a little more tension there between them, he's like, come, I'm going to show you the meaning of loyalty. Yeah. And so uh, while Renera is having this miscarriage, it's, it's honestly very bloody, very gruesome. She's okay. Um, thankfully, but obviously the child is right. The child dies. Uh, dead. Damon takes Jaceris and has two of the the, t- the two kings guard that are there, and he like basically says, "So who are you loyal to? Are you loyal to Renera or are you loyal to Aemon or Aegon? You need to tell me right now. Uh, if you're loyal to Aegon, I'll make your death swift, and you know you'll be good. If you're loyal to Renera, you need to renew your vows to her. And if you do." decide later on like oh i'm gonna be treacherous you'll die screaming yeah he's like i'll kill you slowly <laughs> you won't have yeah. that quick swift death of getting your head cut in half or off yeah um and so they and his dragon shows up oh, yeah. right behind him like oh yeah let's make this decision guys i would love to have a snack right now um it's like no pressure at all make the right choice <laughs> and obviously they re-swear to renera but by they do it through jace by proxy and that's why yeah. Damon brought Jace with him was to be like, okay, you want to be the prince of Dragonstone? Step up, do your duties as the prince. Yeah, and he did this too because there's there would be questions, right? Right, right. as there were in uh, King's Landing when the Hand ordered them to go slay Rhaenyra. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Oh man, what a tool <laughs> glad we didn't have him much of him in this episode we had him a little bit oh well yeah and i wish there had been just a, a little, little more. bit more damon in that one <laughs> anyway um so damon and renera basically after this go into weeping and they're burning their child uh you know it's like it's like one thing after another right now you have her dad his brother you have uh, their, the baby un- their child yeah their unborn child you have this whole situation with the king, like people not honoring, you know, the rightful succession. And it just, it's all like culminating here. And I was really surprised that this scene turned from such sadness to hope. Um, and the music really, 
really lent itself to that because while they're grieving, um, one of the Kingsguard, who we met last episode from King's Landing, comes to Rhaenyra and offers her... Viserys' crown. Viserys' crown. And um, he swears to her. And I thought it was so funny like, just to like contrast what he did with what the other Kingsguard on Dragonstone did. They had to basically have it twisted out of them <clears throat> mm-hmm. to uh, re-swear to Rhaenyra. Whereas he came in bearing the crown and was, like, saying his vows to her as he was walking up and kneeling down. Like, it felt almost, like you said, like a very hopeful, uplifting scene to contrast with the previous scene, which was Rhaenyra bandaging up her dead child and burning it herself rather than having any of the silent sisters take in that duty. Yeah, and uh, so it was a very different coronation. Um, everyone bent the knee except for Rainey's, and we kind of get why later on. But she even looks on, like, proud. Like, you know what? I didn't do this, but you are. I kind of got that silent exchange a little bit between them. Yeah, something that was a little funny, though, I thought, is that at this point in the episode, Rainey's had come in. She delivered her message. She's like, don't attack me. You know, I, I'm giving you guys a heads up. I didn't even have to do that. And She's Because she still has... Has it out almost for Rhaenyra and Damon because she blames them for the death of her son or the supposed death of her son. But you have to realize that Rhaenys isn't necessarily loyal to Rhaenyra at this point in the episode. No. It takes Rhaenyra acting like a queen throughout the rest of this episode to get Rhaenys to formally acknowledge her as her queen and to say, I'm not just going to be this passive third party. I'm going to step in and be an active ally and a valued ally to you. And she shows herself very valuable in this episode. And it also took her conversation with her husband before that happened too. So uh, we'll get to that one in a little bit though. But so now we go in and they're planning it in Dragonstone and wow, look at this. The map can be lit. It's lit. (laughs) And it was really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. If only the Baratheons knew that later on. Maybe they just were lazy and didn't care. <laughs> it was Stannis. He's like, I, know. I don't, Who I knows? don't care. I'll use the dark version. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Uh, there is definitely a little tension here between Damon and yes. Rhaenyra in the decision making. And it almost felt like Damon was just like, I'm going to make the decisions here. Like, I'm the man. And Rhaenyra's like, I'm the queen. <laughs> uh, that was kind of the back and forth I kind of got between them and Some of the lords were like, I don't know what to do here. And this is this was kind of the problem, right? This has sort of been this issue hanging over Rhaenyra's head is that she isn't a man. So like people won't follow her, but she's actually making sane choices and decisions. Level headed choices, not rushing to war. Yeah. And she shows her knowledge and her understanding of the kings and the people who rule. Yeah. And Damon does not have that. And that's very apparent. He's just like, I'm going to go treaty with this person and yeah, whatever. And it's like, hmm, I don't know how that treaty's going to go. <laughs> the treaty's going to go, swear to Renara or I'm going to kill you. What do you say? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, so this is when the hand shows up with a three-headed green dragon banner. Yeah, on his I saw that. Dingy. What a spit in the face, yeah. right? They're swaggerjacking the Targaryens now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Rhaenyra shows up with her dragon as Damon's just, like, standing over the two Kingsguard, and the hand's got, like, four or six Kingsguard with him. Um, 
But Renera shows up with her dragon, and I was just like, So yes. can I just say... Showing him power How moves. much I loved this scene because of the contrast with the scene from earlier in the season when Damon had held Dragonstone as proclaiming himself, you know, Lord of Dragonstone or, or King of Dragonstone or whatever, and Renera went with the Hand of the King to Dragonstone to get uh, Damon mm. to hand back over the dragon egg that he had taken... And so the contrast yeah. on that bridge with Damon on one side, Hand of the King on the other, Renera was with the Hand of the King earlier in the season. Now she's on the opposite side looking at the Hand of the King with Damon. And I just thought the contrast between those two scenes was mwah, lovely. Yeah. If Damon had just been able to do what he was going to do at the beginning of the season, none of this would have been happening. That's <laughs> so true, actually. Um, just, you know, throwing that out there, but... The Hand shows up and he's offering terms for everything to basically switch peacefully. Obviously, Rhaenyra would have to uh, step down from her claim as queen and acknowledge Aemon or bend the knee, but Aegon. pretty much everything that had been set... Aegon, Aegon, yes, sorry. Everything that had been set up beforehand would be acknowledged, everything would go, all their kids would be in positions of power, yada, yada, yada. Damon's just like, I would rather feed my children to dragons than do this, than have them serve your usurper. And obviously, instead of saying that, which is like, I wanted Renera to say that, and <laughs> Damon like pulled out his sword. He was like, I'm going to take your head. <laughs> um, Renera's just like, no, you guys will get my answer tomorrow. And um, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting um Oh, tomorrow. I know. Tomorrow will be <laughs> the we... opening of season two. Ooh, can't wait. Hmm, in two years. Uh, uh. Um, or or maybe, I hope they don't do a time jump. Like, I really would like to see, like, how that message is portrayed. I'll tell you right now, I do not think they'll do another big time jump. At least not okay. yet. I know Robert Jordan had, not Robert Jordan, sorry, um, George R. R. Martin had said that he wanted more time jumps. He was actually the only person who wanted more time jumps. Um, I saw a little snippet there of that but Renera does like the level-headed thing it's just like i will give you your answer tomorrow because honestly like while this would take away her being the queen like she says this will be better for the realm there's not going to be war everything that they worked for outside of her being queen would be acknowledged and everything would be going back to like a tense piece but peace now the one thing though is that would all be true if they held to their bargain and so there's no guarantee the Hand would not continue to plot, would not continue to go after her and her children and just yeah. kill them in their sleep. But they know, like, he would have to know that the minute he struck towards them at all in any way, shape, or form, it would just be yeah. war. It would break all of it. And then, the like, Queen Rhaenyra and all of them would have this on their side. Like, hey, one, the kingdom... They're a bunch of oath breakers. They promised us this, and it's all been publicly acknowledged. They go and kill our brother, or, you know, this kid. Like, uh, well, I guess that's where it would be really gray, because they would have to have proof that they did it. Yeah, that's a good point, Dylan. Anyway, but Renera is taking the high road here, right. and just like, I'm going to think about this, and what's best for the kingdom. This, we kind of get a scene later on here where Damon's, like, really upset about her even considering this. He... And then they clear the room, her and Renera are talking right by the fireplace. And then this is probably the most uncomfortable moment in the episode for a lot of people that they talked about. Yeah, and I, I think with this scene, because Damon does end up choking Renera here, and some people have been making like sexual con comments about it, and it's not, I don't, it's nothing no, like that. No. And honestly, I think it's, 
it's Damon unable to contain his emotions and he's just lashing out and um because he doesn't know about the song of ice and fire which is like been handed down from targaryen ruler to targaryen ruler right and so that means that damon was never going to be in power he was never meant to rule he was never deemed worthy in that sense and he wasn't even trusted enough from his by his brother to be told. So I think this. like the grief paired with this like acknowledgement of ignorance on his part is what makes Damon snap and start you know choking Renera. And like you know, there's not really an excuse for this because it is what it is. It's domestic violence going on right there from Damon to Renera. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's not done in a sexual manner. I mean, you know. Mm-mm whatever you want to do is behind your closed doors or out in the front of other people for your own pleasure is up to you. But this was done to harm. This was not done for pleasure and done out of frustration. Kind of like a callback to the impotent Damon that we saw earlier in the season as well, like where he would get frustrated about something and lash out with violence. And that's exactly what he was doing here, kind of regressing back to his more wild side. Yes, but as you said, there is really was no justific- justification for it. I was just trying to dive into like oh, why was it absolutely, happening in the yeah. first place. Because I don't think like when he released her, I don't think he was doing it to like get it even close to like no. death or anything like that. It was really just like it was him almost trying to grasp at power for, you know, just to have control over the situation because right. he had And I I don't think that Damon ever actually wanted to hurt or kill Renera there. It was more of mm-hmm. like a loss of control let me take control of what i can take control of oh my god what am i doing let me let you go and you know go back to uh trying to be this new man that i've forged for myself yeah and she realizes too like she's like oh you never knew and he just walks away and uh then we kind of switch here corliss is alive and he is now in dragonstone and this is actually a really touching moment between corliss and rainey's like, Corliss is like, you know, I I didn't do the right thing. I never did the right thing. I was trying to hold on to this idea of the crown and power, and I shouldn't have. And um, Rainey's is, you know, kind of agreeing with him. And then when he's just like, we'll just declare for no one, she's like, well, actually, uh, we're going to have to probably get involved in this because our grandchildren are involved yeah. in this. And I think it's really funny, though, how Rainey's was like, you're right. But now I agree with what you were saying before. We got to do this. We have to get involved. Well, now we're yeah, too we're far too far gone, in to almost. pull back now. Yeah. And um, she does talk up the queen saying that she's the only sane one in there. Everyone else wants war. And she is, you know, the only one who's trying to make some Well, and decisions. so Corliss also is like, we should have never gotten in bed with that girl. And then Rainey's is like, that girl is the only reason we're not at war right now. Like, she, that girl is yeah. making good decisions and holding the realm together and putting the realm first she's acting like a queen we need to support her now yeah and so you have corliss the next day kind of coming down into their meeting and you know after some banter back and forth and whatnot basically says they declare for queen Mm -hmm. rhaenyra and they even come up with a plan like here's what we could do for you we can you know we can make sure that the red keep isn't getting any supplies from the sea and uh, Queen and Rainey's is like, and I'll make sure that no one messes with that mm-hmm. blockade um, with my dragon, which she might need some backup. 
we have the princes then kind of stepping up and they're going to fly to treat with Lord Baratheon, Stark, and the Eerie, yes. right? So Jace there. is going to go up to the Eerie and then continue on north, going up north to uh, Winterfell to, to the, the Starks. Starks. Whereas, and he has someone going uh, with so him. So I don't know. I think... I think it's betrothed because there was three dragons that left. Yeah, well, I think Damon went to the Riverlands um, oh, okay, to go yes. and do that. And then Lucerus went down mm-hmm. to Storm's End to treat with the Baratheons as well. Yeah. And that's. We don't see any more of. Um, we don't see any more of Jace this episode. But we do no. see. Let's go to Damon and first. Damon. So we see Damon. Well, yeah, yeah. And that's why I didn't think he left yet because he, he instead went to the Dragon Pits. Because they they mentioned this was a big thing throughout the episode that they mentioned like, and I almost skipped over this actually is that like you know they're like we have more right. dragons, we have the superior firepower, and Renair is like well we don't have riders for multiple of those, and we have never been in a conflict. None of our dragons have except for yours, mm-hmm. and which is a good point because they're the greens dragons while most of theirs also haven't been in conflict. Obviously, Aemon's right. has. Agar has. A lot of conflict. As, as evidenced um, by how old and ugly he is from all the scars and battle uh, battle yeah. material that's all over him. She oh, yeah, is, over yes. her. Yeah, I forgot Vega's a woman. A female yeah. dragon, rather. Yes. And so this it's really interesting um, with with that conversation. And Damon even says, you know, it's very hard to be a dragon killer, but dragons can kill mm-hmm. dragons. And that's where their discussion arises, like, well, we don't, we have, we have more dragons, but we don't have enough riders. So that's going to, I mean, that'll go into my predictions, but it's going to be interesting. I happened to look up the free dragons, the ones that are, he said, nesting on the island, but not under anyone's kind of control. So there's the cannibal, sheep stealer, and, oh man, there was a third one. I don't remember the third one's name, but Damon ends up going to see... Jaharis's old dragon. Mm. Um, is that Vamax? No. No. Vermithor? It might be Vermithor. I can't remember. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I put Ver, I, I had written down Vermithor because uh, I looked it up at one point, but I don't remember if that's right or not. Sorry, listeners. But anyway, he goes into the dragon put. He's singing to this giant, giant dragon. And I kind of wanted your input on this, Dylan, because. I, as I said, I'm not, don't even claim to be an expert or very knowledgeable about Game of Thrones lore. Why did he go into the dragon pit and singing to uh, Vermithor if he can't be his rider, right? Because, I mean, he already has his yeah, dragon. Yeah, he has his own dragon, but I think what he was doing is he was singing to the dragon to kind of, like, lure it out from, like, from its sleep, basically. Because it was a, it's a massive beast, you see, right? And mm-hmm. no one has ridden this dragon since King Jaharis. And that's been a long while. So I'm not positive on this part, but like I'm pretty sure like it was to kind of like wake it out of like a hibernation of sorts. You know what I mean? Like to try to like mm. lure it back to activity. That makes sense. Okay, I guess we'll see with that. So uh, let's kind of clip here the two princes and the third person. I really I don't think it was Damon. Because I do think Damon was doing this during that time. Um, I think it might have been maybe Jaharis's betrothed who has a dragon as well. Mm. And they're flying, the three of them are flying out. Um, and uh, it's, it follows Luke as he goes to Storm's Landing, which 
aptly named, right? It's storming something fierce. He lands, and we see Vigar. Uh, she's there, so that means Aemon's there. So I just want to pause here for a second and just say how awesome Vagar looked at this scene when oh, yeah. just when Luceris um, was walking up there. Luke looks up and he just sees the sky like crackle with lightning and this gigantic dragon silhouetted in the distance there, and it just yeah. looked really awesome. Love that visual. It did, it did. Um, so. Lord Baratheon, we get our meeting of him, and he is a mm, slightly less than honorable man, I would say. <laughs> I'd say uh, it looks that way. He cares more about what the two sides are offering him than... Any previous oath. Yeah, correct. He's like, I don't care about my dad's oath. It's not my oath. Um, and it's also obvious he can't read. Yeah, yeah. He's frustrated by that, too, that he has to demonstrate that in front of the princes. Yes. So um, after Lord Baratheon's basically like, yeah, you guys aren't offering me anything. You can just leave. Aemon's like, no, I want your eye. You're not leaving yet. Come back here. We'll call it even. I won't blind both your eyes. I'll just take one eye. And uh, obviously, Lord Baratheon's just like, yeah, this ain't happening in my hall. Right. Not here. Not under my roof. If this happened here, I would be held responsible and I would be murdered regardless of the outcome. Um, But I will say, like, looking at what Aemon has done to his missing eyepiece there with, like, the gem pushed in, basically, it looks like a ruby. It's pretty gruesome. Pretty awesome. Very scary. Yeah, it is. And, um... Anyway, uh, Luceris is basically like, okay, I'm getting out of here. Gets on his dragon, starts flying, and uh, all of a sudden we see Vagar catch up, which... I- Again, I just want to point out that this scene also looked freaking amazing. With, like, yeah, with Luke flying on his dragon, and all of a sudden you see this gigantic form, like, flying in the clouds. And you're just like, oh, it's about to go down. Yeah. And so what were you going to say, Mike, how he caught up to him? Uh- yeah, and it's then I was like thinking big, about it, like big dragon versus the tiny little one who's like, ee! yeah, yeah, that's very true, very true. And yeah, this is where it, like you could tell both of them were kind of struggling to get them under control. Yeah, and um, it was it was a pretty epic scene here because you know you have the little dragon weaving in and out of these little rock structures, and honestly, if he had just stayed in there, yeah, it would have flown away, and they would have flown away, and that would have been it. But we couldn't have that happen, could we? So at one point, though, VMAX, who is Luke, Luke's dragon, comes out and just blasts uh, the side of Vagar's face with fire. Vagar's not very happy about that and then decides to eat him. And Luke. <laughs> Luke. And Aemon is just like, oh, no, no, no. Like, he didn't tell him to do that. And um, he realizes, too, the implications of what he did. And I do think he never meant to, he never wanted to kill Luke. He, he wanted, like, you know, to get his eye back. He wanted to mess with him because he's, like, you know, Luke's this, like, pitiful kid, basically, compared to him. And So I'll say this. I think that uh, what you said about both of the dragon riders there, Luke and um, Aemond, not being able to fully control their dragons just throws back to the fact that these are wild animals. These are not tame little ponies. You can go, these are dangerous, dangerous creatures who have their own set of rules for themselves as well. So you have this little dragon who is has no experience fighting other dragons. 
And outside of like pl- probably playing. Yeah, outside or... of playing, it's probably like, I'm gonna burn you. Yeah, Dracaris. Except Luke never said Dracaris. So Correct. the <laughs> Vamax attacked without his permission, and he just was showed the arrogance of this young, inexperienced dragon and young, inexperienced dragon rider in Dragon to Dragon Warfare versus a trained, battle-tested dragon there in Vagar. And Vagar's like, I know how to deal with you. You want to mess with me? You're getting the jaws. And just rips them apart. Now, I will also say... No mercy. In the book, Fire and Blood, this is done on purpose. That that Aemon does purposefully kill Luke. It's not a, like, oh no, what have I done moment. It's a, Mm. I'm getting revenge for my eye, little boy. Come here and meet your daddy. And he definitely does it on purpose. Okay. I figured I was going to ask how that tied in. So Yeah. So this way, I feel like probably does add a little bit more drama for the television series and stuff. Um, Even if it's not 100% faithful to the way things are in the book. Well, and again, like you said, the book also has a uh, narrator who is less than savory. Very true. Two of them. (laughs) So either way, it sets up nicely for the coming war. Because at this point, like we said at the beginning, Renera finds out and people were like, well, how did she find out? I know everyone's been mentioning in the book, like his body parts wash ashore. Also, too, if he didn't come back within a day yeah, and they sent ravens, like they'd find out pretty fast. And we don't know if there was any little bit of a time jump there. So, you know, but her look turning around looking like that is basically like, yeah, this is war. Mm-hmm. No turning back you now. You don't kill. Yeah, you killed one of my kids. When she was honestly probably going to accept their demands because that would have saved in in the long run. That would have been peaceful for the country. That would have meant, you know, no one dying. And that was something she kept stressing. Like she didn't want to put everyone through this conflict, no matter how angry she was. Right. Mm -hmm. But this was the straw that broke the camel's back. And it was a big straw killing one of her kids. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm sure the Greens are low-key excited about this. Low-key excited, but also now when Eamon comes back, the question is, does Eamon tell what happened? Does he give them the heads up, watch out, I did something bad, Renera's coming for me? Or does he kind of try to hide it? I feel like he would. Would tell? Yeah, I feel like he'd tell. Yeah, probably. Um, he he seems like that. He seems like that type, and he's always kind of going on about how he should be king and all this. And I feel like he would tell his mom, like, "Hey, just an FYI, this happened. Did not mean for him to die, but did. So they're probably not going to. I don't know how it is in the books, though. But yeah, so like, are they given the same offer in the books? Uh, yes, they're. Uh, I don't know if it's the same offer or not, but basically, what happens in the books and or in Fire and Blood in this particular scene is that. Luke goes down to Storm's End, Aemon's there, they both, like, petition the king, or not the king, the lord of Storm's End, and Aemon's like, I want your eye, I want to kill you, and the guy's like, I am not going to allow this to happen, I'm going to let him leave safely, but what you want to do after you guys leave is up to you, I'm not going to be held responsible for that, so he Mm. holds Aemon back enough for Luke to fly away and then lets Eamon go. It's like, do what you want to do. You know, just stop here. Do it somewhere else. <laughs> like I said, Eamon kills Luke on purpose in the book. Um, but I really can't get into too much else because we're getting into the territory now where where things go down and 
people die and all of that good stuff that comes with a TV show like House of the Dragon. And I don't want to spoil yeah. it for anybody. Um, but I, I can uh, also, like, you know, say loose things that I know will happen or not. Um, and that's why I don't know if it was... Um, a, sorry, if it was Damon or if it was somebody else that was that third dragon that left um, to go. If it was Rainey's, if it was somebody else, I'm not sure. Oh, okay. So that is kind of significant then. Uh, it could have implications, yes. Okay, interesting. All right, well, I guess we'll find out next season, which is apparently going to be in two years. So this whole fantasy feast that we're now <laughs> stuffed on. We're not going to have fantasy famine. He <laughs> is going to go into a bit of a, yes, a bit of a fantasy famine here because apparently... Lord of the Rings, or sorry, Rings of Power and House of the Dragon probably won't be coming out with a new season next year. I'm assuming both will probably skip a year. I'm also, though, assuming that Wheel of Time will, and I'm also not going to call it a famine. I said that kind of jokingly because there's lots of great fantasy stuff for us to talk about. There is. And uh, some of the things that might be coming up are the Willow TV series. Mm -hmm. Um, Very excited about that. The Willow movie, too. Um, yes, which we will watch. Yes, these are things that we are we're going to be covering. Yes, that we'll be covering. Um, what are some other good stuff? Oh, Percy Jackson. Oh, yeah, I can't wait for that to come out, man. Shadow and Bone season two, which will be in 2023. Uh, we talked about doing The Witcher. Yeah, The Witcher. Um, well, obviously, Witcher season three, which is in going to be in August, and we'll do like probably the two seasons, kind of an episode on each season beforehand. But we're going to do The Witcher. Is it Fire and Blood? I don't know. Blood Origins. It. Blood Origins, yes, in December, I want to say. Yeah, so we have comes out. We have all of that plus whatever random fantasy books, fantasy movies, fantasy we want to cover shows them, yeah. that are in the past that we want to cover as we come up here. So lots of stuff to rewind and talk about. Yep, absolutely. So before we get out of here, Mike, let's get into what your actual predictions are for season two for House of the Dragon. What do you think will happen? What would you like to see? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I know we're definitely going to get um, some of these dragons that don't have riders. They're going to get riders. Sea Smoke, um, some of the ones that have hatched at Dragonstone. They'll probably try to get some of the wild dragons. But with all of that, it's going to come some difficulties because it's not just the dragon you're getting. You you have to put a person in charge of it. Right, right. And it's not going to be kin, except for maybe one, because one of the granddaughters does not have a dragon. So there's going to be, um, you're going to have to trust some people. And we know with Game of Thrones, anytime you trust someone, (laughs) uh, there's a good chance that they're going to let you down. So I'm expecting some betrayal and lots of dragon on dragon action and probably a lot of dying. Uh, I'll be interested to see, though, because like they pointed out, the greens don't have as many dragons. And so it can't just be the blacks just all dying all the time, right? So who in the green camp is going to perish because they only have three dragons correct well they have uh aemon has hit or aemon has his dragon yeah aegon Aegon has has a dragon um his wife the sister has one the sister has one then we also have their other brother who wasn't in this season Mm. who is down in old town he's gonna be next and he has a dragon so that's four and yeah so it's gonna be interesting because all of them are Outside of the brother, who I'm assuming is probably just going to die, uh, all of them are pretty major players. So they got to find someone for them, for someone to die on their side, right? So yeah, all I can say is that I have a sneaking suspicion that there will be deaths on both sides next season. 
Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> very vague, very general, but it's going to happen. We all know that. I am very excited to meet the Starks in this, um, hopefully next season. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what happens with the Starks. Yeah, me too. Like, if they're going to be made to have a bigger role because everybody knows the name from Game of Thrones, or if they're going to stick to what they do in the, in the book or not. Oh, okay, so they don't have much of a role in the book then? Uh, I'll say they aren't like a major, major player, but they are involved. Well, I think most of these houses wouldn't have a lot of involvement because like it, like Damon says, this is really, and like they said, it doesn't matter about men. It's all about the dragons. Right, right. So that's where I think is going to be really interesting is that this is really just going to be a war of dragons. So I'll I'll say this because I think this is kind of a fun little teaser there. A term that you might see in season two is, or leading up to season two, are dragon seeds. Okay. So people with, I'm just going off and assuming that this is people who are, have Targaryen blood in some way, shape, or form. Because there is probably quite a few people who have Targaryen blood, which means they could be dragon riders. Because that's something that all dragon riders have to have, correct? All dragon riders have to have like Targaryen blood. All known dragon riders that we've seen in Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon have some amount of Targaryen blood. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, I guess we'll see. Uh, that's it for me, though. All right. Well, here's to hoping that 2024 comes fast for for this part here. Um, I know there's lots of great stuff going on in between, in like we between. talked about. But I, I honestly, I can't believe that we're going to have to wait two years for Rings of Power and House of the Dragon. Oh, Uh, oh, quick update, though. Good news on the Winds of Winter front, I think. (laughs) So George R.R. Martin came out and said he is three quarters of the way done with Winds of Winter. But he did go on to say that every time he sits down to write, the book gets longer in his mind as well. So we'll see what that actually translates into, if it will come out before 2024 or not. God, I hope so. So let's just <laughs> let's just put this in perspective. How long has Winds of the Winter been in, in the works? Over a decade. Okay, so if it's three-fourths of the way done now, give it another eight years, it should be completed, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, That's I mean... That's just quick math. I honestly don't want to put any more pressure on George than he already has, because you watch this video interview with him, and as he's all cheery and everything, like he always is, and then as soon as he gets the question about... Where, give us an update on Winds of Winter. You see him instantly get more and more stressed and everything. And yeah. I think it's because he's feeling the pressure. Everybody's oh, been yeah. after him for a long time um, about this. And it's, you know, it's not something that has, uh, has gone the way that he would have planned. So, yeah, Dance of Dragons, the last book that was published in the Song of Ice and Fire series came out in 2011. Wow. So it's been 11 years. Okay, so I take back my eight-year comment. It'd be about four or five years, so. Yeah, well, two years would get us to 2024. Um, anyways, that's all we got for you today. Uh, we hope you all enjoyed House of the Dragon. Uh, Mike, what are your final thoughts? What are your thoughts on the first season? Um, how would you like it? I really liked it. Um, I know we haven't, We've compared it slightly to Rings of Power, but this definitely blew the water, like blew Rings of Power out of the water in terms of just like character development. 
you know, the visuals and stuff. Like, while everything was beautiful in Rings of Power, this, and I will take this in my grave, that this show, House of the Dragons, too dark by quite a bit. I will say that visually, like, the dragons and everything else and the costumes and the acting has just been killer. Matt Smith, this is probably his best role ever. Uh, and I think all the actors have really killed it. <laughs> Pun intended for some. But, yeah. I And I, I do think it's hard to kind of compare the two in terms of story because Rings of Power is trying to do this huge, massive story, whereas House of the Dragon is a very focused story. You mm-hmm. know, it's... A, very true. Rings of Power is trying to do world building and all this, and House of the Dragon doesn't have to do that because they've Game of Thrones really built that entire world, and yeah. I will say that it's a different world we're in right now than what it was in Game of Thrones, but... All in all, I couldn't agree more with what you said about everything. I really enjoyed House of the Dragon. I am very excited that we're back in the world of Ice and Fire, back in Westeros, and it's a positive experience. The show's been generally well-received by everybody, which is great. Like, I don't know anyone who's watched a show and like, oh, I don't like it. It's crap. Like, you know, comparatively to season eight or of, uh, House of Game of Thrones or whatever, but... Which... Yeah. yeah. It has been panned a little bit, but I feel like it's a, a great return to form and a great revitalization of the this World of Ice and Fire property, um, intellectual property that George R. R. Martin's created. Um, definitely enjoying it. I can't wait for season two. Looking forward to more World of Ice and Fire shows that may or may not happen, like Snow. Um, I hope but, that one happens. I, really oh, I hope it happens too. I'm excited to see what that actually. And entails. I'd really like to see uh, one that focuses on old Valeria. That would be really cool. Very unexplored, yeah. but that could be very interesting. Also, it'd be fun to get one on the Dorn. Yeah, I mean, there's so much you could go, so many places you could go for this world. You could, you could just do a whole show on different houses. Yeah, I'm like I said, I'm a big fan of this world. I love this world. Um, I am excited for more of it, but that's all we got this time. And we're actually getting out of here now. So with all of that being said, uh, we will see you guys next time. Goodbye. See ya. Chomp. Chomp.